The Free For All Roundtable. Round one. Well, I mean, we're starting the roundtable a minute early. There's going to be much more splendidness. Uh, Scott I'm Reed not prepared here. for an extra 60 seconds. No, I'm sure you can vamp. Uh, Jerry <laughs> Agar is here in studio, host of the Jerry Agar Show, 9 to noon. Deb Hutton, former advisor to two Ontario premiers. Scott Reed is here, CTV political commentator, advisor to a number of prime ministers. Okay, so yesterday we had the expectation of the announcement that was going to be made. Now we know the guts of it. And I'm dwelling on these changes to health care because I think that this has to be a vivid debate. Also worth noting, the House doesn't come back until the 21st of February, so nobody can really hold the government's feet to the fire in the time between now and then. Uh, but let me start actually with Scott Reed. your rough take on it. I know some people are ready to break the glass and pull the lever and declare that this is the end of public health care. I'm not quite convinced. Uh, neither am I. Look, I'm, I'm first and foremost, I'm reassured that the plan know operates within a single payer system to me you know before people start throwing the word privatization around just like willy-nilly fundamental principle is is it a single payer meaning do you get all the services with your OHIP card is that how it works nobody can jump ahead of somebody else you got a big credit card you can get ahead of me get a uh, service uh, that is not contemplated here so i'm reassured by that and then i think after that you know the onus is on the government they're the ones proposing the reform and i can think of two or three big questions like demonstrate to me that this is a better plan to boost capacity and results than just investing more in the existing system so i'd like to see them do that i'd like to see them reassure us that there's going to be a plan to stop upselling so if i go in for a cataract i don't come out with a timeshare in costa rica and i want to know that you know i've got a you know that there is a plan, and I know they've talked a little bit about this. I'd like to see more details to ensure they're not going to bleed off staff and you know healthcare personnel from other parts of the system, and it's not just going to be robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, so I'd like to see more detail on that. But I, I, those are the questions that occur to me. There may be others. The onus is on the government to answer them. But I don't think this is the end of Medicare. And I think when people people rush to the ramparts and scream that, they undermine. The necessary debate because they sound they sound frankly they sound hysterical and it's not informed well you and you won't get the timeshare but you do get to keep the blanket uh let me turn to deb hutton because you know the debate has been on for years as to whether the provincial conservatives want to undo medicare that's not what i see here Oh, my gosh, 100%. And, and my inclination is to say to Scott's commentary, ditto. I mean, he's exactly right. As a conservative who actually would be more open to true privatization, not greater private delivery, and let's be very specific in our language, uh, I didn't think this went very far at all. Mm -hmm. And I, for me, I didn't think it went far enough. I will say, I listened to your interview this morning, John, with the uh, Liberal MPP, who is also a doctor by, by profession, and I heard him say pretty similar things to what Scott just said, which is, this is an okay thing. The devil's in the details. So let's hold the government's feet to the fire. When that is the liberal MPP talking, it tells me this didn't go far enough and that this is really not an issue at all and should not be an issue for anyone who is clutching their pearls around the end of Medicare. Okay, a couple of quick things uh, to Scott's point about the people with the big credit card. They already have 
options. They're in Buffalo. Um, and and some people do that with a big credit card or maybe a medium-sized credit card. So they'll continue to do that if they want to. And uh, it is really interesting to me that while some people want to characterize this as conservatives trying to privatize health care, that the people lining up saying, well, uh, either saying this is great or I'm willing to take a look at it and let's give it a try, are of all political bents. And I, I would direct you toward a great column I'm going to profile on my show today by Martin Ray Cohen, where he takes up the arguments people are making against him and then knocks those arguments down. Yeah, I cut that one out for the show this morning. I haven't got to it yet, so good thing you're going to be dealing with it. And he's not a knee-jerk supporter of Doug Ford in any way. No. So um, let's stick with the medical professional. This is a completely different issue. Um, threats that have been made, mostly online, it would seem, to the uh, you know the union that brings together doctors and surgeons has prompted them to close their headquarters to the public. It's the college, isn't it? It's the college. It is. And I mean, I'll start with you on this one, uh, Jerry. But for me, this is sort of the natural outcome of the stuff you see on social media all the time. The idea that big pharma doctors, medical officers of health, uh, they, they you know have ganged up on everybody and they're giving them a shot that is causing everybody to die and they're covering it up. So I've seen some pretty violent rhetoric in social media over the last couple of months and I guess that's led to this state of siege at this headquarters. I can understand why they're reacting that way. They're not used to it. You and I are. After a while you just become sort of you know, like, okay, there's the crazies again because you realize they aren't actually going to show up with pitchforks. They're just noisy. Yeah, our guest um, hosts are always stunned by by the text board. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, you know, I would tell the people in the college that's likely what it is, but I understand why they're turtling on this thing, and uh, it isn't going to do any good to tell the crazies to back off because uh, they just don't listen. Yeah, Scott Reed, it's not a day goes by. I don't get an email telling me about the Nuremberg Protocols and all this stuff that people got off websites about the clot shot, as they call it, and the medical profession trying to kill us all. Yeah, I get some creatively misspelled uh, swear words on the text board when I'm in. But look, I, I the problem it's four is letters that, and they can't spell it. <laughs> well, well, they always add an H. Uh, look, there's, um, there's, uh, you know, the challenge is that you you can't dismiss it um, because sometimes uh, these crazies uh, do act on what they say. So you got to be you, you got to be somewhat uh, conscious of it. And there's. Um, you know, like I, this is a modest proposal. I'm not in policing. I don't know how to evaluate what is a legitimate threat versus an illegitimate threat. But one specific thing I've always felt is that if you're going to go on social media, you should have a name and the platform should force that. Right. If I'm going to call out somebody, it should be under my name, Scott Reed, and I should be accountable for it. So having chubby lover 69 say that they're going to beat the <laughs> hell out of somebody. That is not cool. And there should be no chubby lover 69s. That's, I think, a small step toward holding people accountable. If they had their actual name they would probably say a lot less disgusting, violent things. Deb Hutton, you worked for years in a building that is closed to all but invited people and under armed guard. But still, you know, I, I think it is worse now and people get more hopped up. They think this is some sort of an existential battle for their lives. Yeah, it is. And, and when I first started at Queen's Park, it was much more open to the public, a much more welcoming place. And over time, it had to actually become further and further and further locked down. Uh, I used to be able to walk in all the time because some of the guards would remember me and that would never happen anymore. I will say, having been the recipient of a number of death threats, quite frankly, we should take it seriously. I'm with Scott on this. Um, but I think if police went and actually visited these people, it would start to send a chill through the community. 
And and so I really think that we have to start cracking down on what might not feel 100% like a legitimate threat. And then maybe we will have fewer of them. So we only have the statement of claim from the union, but the union, OPSU, has filed a suit against three of its former officers alleging they pilfered funds. And I guess, you know, Deb, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. Maybe we can all be fairly short with this because it's a bit like a topic we did with, uh, dealt with yesterday, which is we don't know the other side of the story because they ain't talking. True, but it's sad that this is happening nonetheless. Uh, I would like to see greater accountability in the public domain for unions, just as we have done with uh, uh, the public sector itself, just as we've done with uh, companies and, and CEO salaries. Uh, I think it's time to shine the light on the unions, because this is, at my count, this is the third one I can think of off the top of my head, not just public sector, but private sector unions who have, whether it's true or not, gotten into some form of trouble. Jerry? Well, I, I agreed with you this morning in the dark and early, I think, when you first brought this up, John, and you said some people will leap to say, see, that's what's wrong with unions. And, you know, nobody will run quicker to the front to criticize unions than me. Uh, but this is not, not the time. This is criticizing individuals who did what they did. If there is a necessity for more oversight, as I think Deb is suggesting here, then fine. But, um, you know, I got plenty of other arguments to make against unions. Now, this one, uh, it wasn't everybody in the union wanted this to happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm a union member, and I know one of the unions I'm a member of ACTRA, we hold everybody to account and everything is completely transparent. So yeah, Scott Reed, this is not an indictment of the union movement. No, uh, but my own view is in a gig economy in a disparity between CEO salaries and the rest of us, uh, income inequality, we need unions now, good, strong, well-run unions. We need them now more than ever. And this is the kind of thing that set back, sets back the union cause. This is the kind of thing that causes a taint and creates a cloud. And this is the kind of thing that hands hardcore critics of unions uh, all the ammo they could possibly need. So if these things occurred, shame on those people. Shame on those people for abusing their position. Shame on those people for fleecing their themselves and, and lining their own nests. And, uh, and I hope they get hammered right into the ground for things that they did. You know, I was in that same union that you're in, John, and it's one of the organizations that turned me so vehemently against unions. Really? A bunch of communists. Well, I'll tell you, I've made a fortune thanks to ACTRA, and I still get residuals. They ripped me off, and I had to look at their hammer and sickle uh, posters on the wall. <laughs> I'd like to see that. I've never been to their headquarters in Toronto, in spite of being a proud union member at ACTRA and the Directors and Writers Well, I was Guild. in Chicago. Okay. Um, okay, full disclosure here. This is a building on the corner of my street that contains one of my favorite restaurants, and people in my neighborhood are going door to door to try and save it from demolition. It is a medical building. It's probably about 35, 40 years old, but no, we got to give way to a new condo. Um, Scott Reed... I, you know, I'm not going to defend every single building against demolition, but I wonder why we're taking down a purpose-built medical clinic in order to build condos in an area that is already rife with empty land and existing condos. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, all I know is that everything is getting torn down to build a new condo. You know, more gray, more green, more glass, you know, these big gray green glass towers. And, you know, they tear down old buildings. They tear down old people. They're going to be like replacing grandmothers with uh, condos. It just it drives me up the wall. You can't everywhere you look, there's a new condo. And each one is uglier than the last. Jerry. 
Well, here we are with you being a NIMBY again, John. Uh, and, uh, you know, you I know, look at this. Some buildings are not to be built or demolished. You know, it doesn't make you a NIMBY. There's a 13.5% vacancy rate in commercial buildings in that area, so it's not like there isn't a place for the clinic to go. Um, and, and the number one housing problem in Toronto is supply. That's just a fact. And so, you know, if, it, if, if it's, yeah, it's supply, but build it somewhere else, that is the definition of a NIMBY. Okay. Deb Hutton, I don't, you know, I go case by case. I don't oppose everything. God knows in my neighborhood, there's so much construction, you can't keep track, and there's so many buildings about to come down. Well, listen, John, for all those who are complaining, then don't complain that there isn't enough affordable housing. You don't get to do both things. You don't get to say, but what about this? They're not building Unless affordable it's a housing in that neighborhood. It, they're trying to. A, well, they're trying to, and they're also trying to move people from their affordable house into another house. I mean, there's a there's a domino effect here. Secondly, you have a right to health care. You don't have a right to walk to it. You don't have a right to say, but it's just around the corner and it has to stay that way. Growing up in a small town, nobody gets to walk to see their doctor. So I say, sorry about that. I realize it's hard when you're older, but come on, people. You don't get to say, I get to go to the same doctor and it's just around the corner because that's what makes my life easier. Right, right. next to the hardware store, you can't move. Yeah, well, now I have to get in a car in order to go to the hardware store. All the way over to Bathurst. No, get I, your oh bike, Will there be a saltwater pool? Because if there's a saltwater pool in the condo building, then I retract my objection and I'll say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the grannies have taken it over. Thank you all, Scott Reed, Deb Hutton, Jerry Eggard. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.